What's going on, y'all? Welcome to the latest episode of Can I Kick It? This is your host, Eliar, and is joining me is the super agent herself, Miss Maggie Natin. Did I say your last name right? Please, I pray I did. You did. You did. No, you did. Natin Shanair owed me five dollars because we had a bet. Natim <laughs> and Tim still, still, it's all good. All right, that works. That works. So let me ask you, Maggie <laughs> how how did you fall in love with like? I don't know how to say it. Fall in love with the game of soccer. And like, how did you happen to become an agent? Yeah. So that's, that's I mean, interesting to me. Of course. Um, and especially like a lot of people say that, especially <laughs> when they learn more about my background, they like, wait a minute, how you go from like music and working with like Nas and 50 cent to working with soccer players. And um, the funny thing about it is the common denominator is I have a passion for it all. So um, I started out, you know, loving the sport from a young age. More so was playing basketball first um, at like the age of four. Um, I grew up in uh, Queens, New York, uh, Jamaica, Queens. So soccer wasn't really a thing in my neighborhood. It was basketball or you played American football. And unless, you know, because it was predominantly Caribbean, African, you know, neighborhood, we loved, you know, soccer because that was like first nature to us. Um, you know, as far as our background and stuff so watching it was always something and maybe every now and then have to kick around a ball like a basketball because I couldn't afford to get a soccer ball so um that was kind of how I first fell in love with it and then of course just watching it over the years and then throughout my career I was you know working in music working for a couple of record labels and then went over to MSG and started getting more into sports well MSG is Madison Square Garden in, in New York for those that do know the world's famous arena. I will um, hope everybody knows what the Mecca is. <laughs> Some people don't, but you know, that's <laughs> that's the place. And that those are the initiatives basically. And so um, starting there and doing that and then went on to start doing some other sports stuff within baseball, uh, American football, the NFL. And then finally when I got to Coca-Cola is when I was able to really get experience working with soccer because I had to manage two accounts, which happened to be FIFA and MLS. So that was a perfect way for me to learn more about it from the business side, as well as see it from the full, you know, lens. And while I was working on the World Cup and was down in everything, and I was like, man, there's a lot of players, but there's a huge lack of representation amongst African-Americans, amongst men and women of color that are representing these players. And if they did have certain agents, it was their family members. So I said, okay, I've always had this dream to want to be an agent. And it, it always had to be within soccer or baseball, but preferably soccer. And I said, you know what, this might be a challenge, but I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm going you know, to do it and see what happens from there. So I started reaching out to some agents who I knew. And, you know, they kind of gave me the, it's going to be tough and all of that. Yeah. But on my discovery, I was noticing that I wasn't coming across any um, African-American female agents in the U.S. I think maybe like one I came across in England. So I was like, okay, there's a huge lack in that area. And then especially in the USA, I couldn't find any uh, black female soccer agents. And I came across like one or two male here in the States. And then overseas, there were a couple. So I said, okay. There's no women. I couldn't even find a Latina woman. I was like, I barely could even find a Caucasian woman agent. So I was like, all right, there's a huge need for this. 
And then I started to look deeper. And then when it was time to go to the Women's World Cup, I was like, all right, there's a huge lack of representation because the women, most of the popular women footballers had males as their agents. And I was like, okay, there's nothing wrong with it. But I was like, wait, this is crazy. This is crazy. I shouldn't be shocked because of that. Because, I mean, like, for myself. It's crazy. Because there's way too many. And I felt like, you know, it's hard to be something that you can't see. But That's I, felt like, I, felt, I felt like I've always been in that position where everything that I aspire to be, it was very hard to find someone that kind of fit the mold because I was like just a different kid mm-hmm. growing up, just, just different. I wanted to do like 10 things in one and everybody's like, you can't do it. But I'm like, I'm going to do it. So that's kind of why I call myself the Jackie of all trades. So I was like, man, <laughs> I already got my business going. I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm, I'm going to go through this process and become an agent. And the worst I could do is fail at it. But at least I could say I tried. And so um, I then went through the process um, as far as getting licensed. And then throughout that process, I started working with a couple of athletes directly where I got the chance to work with Killian Mbappe, Jaden Sancho on some marketing campaigns. And I was like, all right, this is what I do. But now imagine on the field and what that looks like. And so I went through the process. And earlier this year, um, I got my license and I became a FIFA and USSF agent. Wow. I, and then my first my first player that I signed, like mm-hmm. on a full service level from off the field to on the field was Hugh Roberts, um, Charlotte Independence. So the guy that we interviewed for our last yep, podcast. Yep, so it's yep, all yep, coming yep, full yep, circle yep. now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I signed Hugh and then I signed um, Samantha Johnson from Utah Royals. She was my first woman footballer. And then I ended up acquiring uh, players like Jamea Fields, um, Abby Linsky, uh, Ashley Plumtree from Leicester City. I have a couple more girls that's coming um, within the NWSL draft, so you'll hear about them next year when they go pro. Um, and then a couple of men as well on the MLS side that are going to be okay. going to the MLS. So, yeah. Okay. Then. So before we hop into more of that and more of the questions we got you, I got to ask this question. Me growing up as an early 2000s kid, you know, I listened to 50 Cent Jr. and all that stuff. Were you around for that era? Like, for the teen um, talk? Like, were you involved in that? Because if you so, I need to know. From the early days? Yeah. Like, so Lori Banks, days, all of them. So, so, the funny part is, we come from the same neighborhood. My cousin started working with 50 first. Wow. Um, and one of my uncle's best friends. So, I've known them personally the way, like, they were in my grandmother's house. My grandmother's house was, like, the house to be because everybody's, like, you taste her food. You know, my uncle's a celebrity barber, so he cuts hair. So I grew up seeing, like, all those guys from 50, Nas, uh, Bob Deep. I lived two blocks from Steve Stout. So he was at my house on a regular. He taught me a lot about marketing and branding and just, you know, as a person, what to do in this business and how to navigate as well as even being around 50 and those guys. And um, I wasn't a part of the early, early stages, but I was a part of that reunion. When okay. we made that reunion in 2014, yes, I was the happiest woman in the world. Um, <laughs> another dream of mine was to have Nas and 50 on the same stage, and that happened in 2014. And I was happy to be a part of that. As they all know, I'm a huge fan of both artists. They're both like two of my favorite rappers. and. We all just happen to come from Queens. So, you know, it's one of those things. I was like, all right, this is, this is good. This is good business right here. 
Oh yeah, that's a hundred percent good witness. When you can get those two together and not yeah. like have anyone get messed up in the process, it, it works out great. Listen, out great. yeah, I can't say what happened. I mean, listen, that that <laughs> show in particular just happened to be Queens, but you know, people are like, man, that summer jam was interesting. I said, yeah, but there were a lot of non-Queens people on that stage, and when you start to have the mixtures of Queens and the Brooklyns and the Harlem's, and you got all those personalities and entourage of people. Something's gonna happen. Look, I, I, I got family from. Mix. I got I family from up there. I, I believe you. I got family <laughs> up that way in New York, and they all tell me like it's like yeah. ten different cities mixing the one. So yeah. I totally understand. Yep. It. And, and just imagine the personalities. Like you got Queens <laughs> and Brooklyn are more like Bronx and Harlem are more like Harlem is not even a borough. It's really in Manhattan, but they just consider it as like its own city. And then you got Staten Island, that's just like the forgotten child, and Long Island too is like the forgotten. <laughs> So, um, so it it gets interesting, but but I got love for them all. I I got love for everybody, man. Everybody from New York, California, Atlanta. I mean, I live between um, New York and the South, so mainly like Charlotte and Atlanta. So mm-hmm. I I got love for all the places. Yeah, all that's the what's up. That's what's up. So back to uh, the players you match, like you said, Hugh Roberts, mm-hmm. and we know mm-hmm. Hugh to be a player that is very outspoken. One of the first, I would say, in my opinion, uh, one of the first. USL players that really use his platform on the level of that of LeBron James. He might not get the same notoriety, but you know what he's doing is on the same level LeBron James in my eyes. How is it for you being the agent of a player like that and knowing how very few soccer players in America use their platform and what's you know the backlash that could come from it, the backlash that we've seen, of course, over the course of the summer? What kind of advice would you give your players or how how do you Help your players navigate navigate that kind of tricky, you know, using your platform to not only speak about what you feel, what you see, but also using it in a way where it doesn't hinder the player that they can't sign for another team. So anybody that knows me knows I'm very outspoken. So when people see the players that I represent, like Hugh, Samantha, Johnson, for example, they're like, oh, yeah, this is a perfect match because y'all are just alike. You know, we're we're all outspoken. Um, we're very vocal and and we feel strongly about representation within the sport of soccer. So with Hugh and what he's doing, as well as my other uh, player that I represent, Brandon Miller, who's also a partner with Hugh, and they started the um, USL Black Players Alliance. Um, I'm support them 100 percent. I think. Um, with the current climate that we're in and what we've experienced just, you know, this year and just overall, I, I, the number one goal that I wanted my players to know is that I'm, I'm here for you no matter what. And I'm always going to stand by you. I'll tell you if you're wrong, but I'm still going to support you. Um, and if you're right, I'm, I'm still going to support you. I think the biggest thing with that is as an agent, it, it does make things a little bit different versus the standard agent because before I'm an agent, I'm a black woman. Mm-hmm. And so I can totally relate. So if they're kneeling, I know why they're kneeling. I, I feel when they're protesting, I've been there. Because I myself have been racially profiled. I sometimes get it just being an agent now. You know what I mean? And so it's like, it's, it's crazy because some may say, well, I'd give up. And I'm like, no, because this is bigger than just a, a black or white this is about making a difference for the men and women of color making sure that their voices are heard making sure that they're getting the they're, they're getting treated fairly on the pitch and off the pitch 
and it's not just for the current climate of what we see where it's like, oh yeah, diversity this, diversity that. No, let's keep talking this 10 years down the line. Let's start implementing everything that we need to implement and don't let it be just because of George Floyd or Ahmaud Arbery or Breonna Taylor. It has to be bigger than that. It's, it's because deep down inside you want to do that. So when Hugh comes to me and says, I'm protesting for this, I'm never going to tell him don't do it. Mm-hmm. I may just advise him and say, understand the consequences or better yet, I say, let's take a different approach. Let's, let's communicate with the league. If you want to do something like create a players alliance or a coalition, as soon as my guys told me what they wanted to do, I said, let's go to the league. I'd be more than happy to call who I need to call at USL or if you guys want to do it, go ahead. Let's talk to the league. And when they did that, look at what happened. It created a a great support system. The USL for the first time, you've seen that where the league has the players back 100%. They support everything. And change already has been made within that league. And I love it. I love it. Yeah, it's, it was kind of cool to see how the USL kind of – you you see it sometimes with some leagues where they'll have this coalition or something, but they'll kind of latch onto it like, hey, we created this, mm-hmm. where USL was like, hey, they created this. We're here to help yeah. uplift it and kind of spread it out. So that, that was great to see. We had the calls. Like, we were on the calls, and some people were like, wait, what, like, what's she doing on this? She agent. Like, you ain't supposed to be here. I'm like, look, this, this, this is not about signing players. This is about supporting my players and all the players, you know, even the ones yeah. I don't represent. Um, And I, you know, I just let them know, like, you know, if you're going to do it too, the USL is the biggest, it's the largest league in America. And if you're going to do it, you want to include League One and League Two. You know, don't right. exclude them from it. Don't just make a championship, but it's it's exactly what it is. It's USL. And when they did that, I mean, I damn near I damn near shed a tear because to see the guys from League One now feel like, okay, these guys that are in the championship level are like my older brothers. These are guys that like like we're we aspire to be in their position and, and before we never really made any connection to communicate with each other. But now they're all connected. They're all connected. Yeah. Even guys that play within the championship level, some may never really have spoken to Hugh before. But now all the players have connected. Even down to, you know, some staff that may work within some of these teams, their front office. They've all just come together. And it's just beautiful. I love it. Yeah, it's great to see. You know, it was something because before, like when it came to League One and Championship, I mean, of course, there's no promotion relegation, so there was no overlap, and it was really the first year of League One. I think we're in the second or third year of League Two, but it was like you said, there's no mm-hmm. overlap. But to see how they have used the USL Black Players um, Alliance to really embrace all of that, and like couple like being here in Richmond, having talking to like Ivan Magales and. Um, Kawase and other players that have joined the U.S. are just like, man, it's a great resource. Even if, like, I decide not to be a soccer player anymore, it's not like I get deterred away from the resource. You know, it's still, like, it's pretty much like a mentoring thing. And I think that's something that a lot of soccer players that we don't talk about a lot because it's, like, it's very different to how it is in England and other countries where it's, like, you're kind of just thrown into it. It's kind of like you're figuring out on your own and you don't know what to do. But now... You're finding these resources coming together. You have someone that's been through the struggle with you. They yeah. know what to do. 
and it's helping everyone out. It's making everyone a better person for it. I say it all the time. In a couple of years, USL definitely has that potential to be like that top league. I mean, when we talk about talent, there are definitely some talented players. Um, I think culture-wise, to me, I'm going to just be honest, when we're talking about culture, I feel like USL players have a little bit more culture than a couple other leagues. I mean, y'all can get mad at me or hate me or block me or whatever. Hey. I'm so sure. I don't care. I'm just speaking my opinion. Hey. From a cultural oh. side, if you look at like Richmond, for example, um, if you look at Forward Madison, like what they're, you know, saying like just New Mexico, like the the culture is is there, and I think that's something that as a whole, U.S. soccer just needs to work on um, culturally, because obviously when we look at these other leagues, because it's not going to be like basketball and the NFL or even yeah. baseball for that matter, but but it can definitely get there at some point, yeah. you know. If we all, all come together, at least. So, yeah. Most definitely. Well, just staying on the point of the, you know, all the black associations that kind of popped up over the course of this summer, also in lieu of what happens this summer, you know, it's kind of hard not to see the linkage between the George Ford murder and, you know, all the players associations. So where do you see these, you know, the MSL, MLS um, Black Players Association, USL Black Players Association, uh, NWSL Black Coalition. Where do you see those organizations going in the next year, two, three, four, five years? I think if if managed right and they stick to the vision, it can definitely go far. Um, I, you know, the goal, I want to say probably for all three in particular, is mainly to obviously correct the whole racial um, inequality, uh, definitely implement more diversity from the players amongst like teammates, as well as the hiring practices of these leagues, like hiring more, just really placing that emphasis on diversity. And when we say diversity, we're not talking about just hiring one African-American or hiring one Latino or Latin, Latina, um, but even hiring, you know, folks with, from Asian background, just other other minority um, ethnicities and hiring them not because of the color of their skin or to meet the quota, but because they are qualified. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's something that you're going to see a lot of the educational side is really figuring out implementing educational courses, workshops, things on how to really decipher between a qualified candidate, not based off the color of their skin, but because of their work, you know, really looking at these head coaching jobs within MLS, within USL, within NWSL. NWSL only has one woman head coach now. I mean, Utah Royals, like, she's not really a head coach, but you know what I mean. It's like an acting head coach. And yeah. then on the GM side, you only have two, two women at NWSL and not one African-American coach, not one Latina coach. Come on now. So there's a lot of work that needs to be done within that. And then obviously with MLS, we already know what that is. USL has a pretty good amount, but we could always use more. So oh, yeah. all of these different associations, that's, like I said, if it's managed correctly and they stick to the vision, it's definitely going to grow and make um, a huge impact, not just on the pitch, but off the pitch too, especially just in the community. Yeah, I mean so I'm looking forward to seeing all of that. Yeah. And I mean, like you were talking about, like some of the challenges that meets of having these teams not having a black head coach, black owners or black leadership, you know, 
speaking of yourself, your own experience, what are some of the challenges of a female, as most respectfully, a black woman looking to become an agent? You know, what are some of those challenges? So what I found out on my journey was that um, I ended up becoming like the first African-American female soccer agent in America. And at first I was like, oh, that's cool. And some people were like, you're not excited about that? Like, of course I'm excited, but I care more about the work that I'm doing. I care more about what comes after. Because see, being the first is great, but it's but your impact isn't made until there's more people after you. Mm-hmm. So in about maybe five to 10 years, my reaction is going to be a little bit different. Um, but it's a challenge. You have to understand that you're coming into this space. It's a male-dominated space. It's uh, not just a male-dominated space, but it's a space where, you know, there's not many of us. There's not many of women or men of color in these positions as agents. And so when you're coming in, you need to come in and own your shit. You need to come in and know your business. You know, you need to know who the key players are from the agents to the agencies to the the, the clubs, the scouts, the sporting directors. It's, it's a crazy business. Um, it's a lifestyle for me. It's not a part-time job. This is my full-time job. You know, I, I run my company and I'm an agent full-time. You know, so I don't know anything else but this. And yeah. I'm not I'm not in it for one short term or one short payday. I'm I'm in it, in it, you know, maybe about 10, 20 years I'm in this for. So you gotta be dedicated, you gotta be persistent, you gotta be hungry gotta be hungry you gotta you gotta want it you got to know your business and you gotta also find your niche if your niche is going to be to work with women study that know who the gatekeepers are within the women's space understand and figure out how you're going to recruit these players understand how you're going to connect with coaches and and teams and leagues and you know figure that out so it's it's a challenge it's not easy um had a couple of women tell me recently they wanted to be agents but I'm like, you know why you want to do it? They're like, oh, I see you're doing it. I'm like, do you know what the hell I had to go through to get to, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> to where I'm at? Like, what do you think this is easy? Like, this ain't easy, you know? This is not easy. And so every day it's a challenge for me. Any wrong move, any wrong thing I say could be, you know? Yeah. But but honestly, I'm grateful for my players, honestly. And that's why I signed the players that I signed. I'm very particular, very picky. Um because it just means everything to me to make sure yeah. that our visions align. Yeah, I heard on a recent podcast, shout out to Hugh, you know, once again, um, I was listening to the podcast he interviewed you on, and you were mentioning how you don't pick up players unless they have some kind of community service or something given yeah. back to the community. Um, why is that so important to you? And why is that so important for athletes to have? As a first-generation-born American, it means everything to me. Having parents from the Caribbean and West Africa and to see where my family grew up, you know, really grew up with nothing, came to this country with nothing and literally had to make something of themselves. And even where I grew up, you know, in the inner city, I was reminded every day of how important it is to do good and give back. And I don't just give back for the moment. I give back. It's a lifestyle. You know what I mean? Like 
just during COVID, there was a lot of things that I was doing. Earlier today, I went out to one of the local hospitals. It's World Premature Day, so I give back to the community there. And I'm a, I'm a preemie baby. So <laughs> every year, I make it my duty to make sure I'm back in uh, New York into the hospital that I was born in, uh, Kings County, and, and visit the, you know, the the um the NICU and talk to the parents and they kind of look at me like I'm crazy because they're like ain't no way and how you was born a premature and this is how you are now but all of that is a form of giving back so it's important um and that's like one of my favorite organizations March of Dimes so when I'm signing a player if that player says to me I'm a fan of um the Boys and Girls Club that's a company that we look at and try to figure out how can we partner with them to do something whether it's a summer camp whether it's a, a thanksgiving drive whether it's a, a christmas toy giveaway you know we figure out how to do something uh, mainly because it's it's just so important and i think sometimes with athletes and why i make that a requirement because at some point even if you don't want to partner with an organization you may want to start one yourself and obviously that's something that hugh has done recently um, another one of my clients, Samantha, we, we started something as well. And, and honestly, like there's no better feeling than mm. to know that like you're making an impact by just putting a smile on a kid's face who have the aspirations to be a soccer player, but because they couldn't see, they couldn't physically see what they want to be. They now see that when they look at Hugh or they now see that when they look at Samantha or they see that when they look at Jameer Fields, you know, and so um it's it's like wow or if someone says they want to be an agent and a young black girl might say i want to be a soccer agent now she looks at maggie and tim and says okay it is possible yeah i mean me being a man of alpha phi alpha like we have a close relationship with marching dimes and like community service i definitely understand it like i love it when i see athletes, no more or less teams, because I feel like teams kind of have to do it, but when I see athletes go out of their way and not just be stingy and be like, oh, it's all about me, it's all about me, you know, it, it kind of resonates and, and, you know, lets me know, like, you know, you recognize the impact that you have, you know, it, it, that's very key to see. And it's great to see that as an agent, you know, because I feel like sometimes agents and, you know, it's just part of my ignorance as well, if it's like, Agents kind of get that bad rap of being like, oh, they just want the big contract. They just worry about the transfer deal. That's it. I can tell yeah. you that. First thing, <laughs> I, I can tell you, I can attest to that, that I've seen that that's that's their MO. I've had I've had other agents tell me, don't sign a player like you because he's a USL player. He's not going to make you no money. I've heard people tell me, don't sign Samantha Johnson because she's retired or she's not sure whether she wants to play in the league, yet she's coming back. I've had players tell me, like, Jimmy is okay, but she's not she's not a national team player yeah yeah they don't even understand the impact of what happens just even not just on the field but off the field is so much greater and it's so much more rewarding and i'm not talking about from a monetary standpoint but it's just uh, like who they are as players as athletes as people and the things that they care about that's so much more rewarding to me than chasing after the bag because most of those agents that do decide to chase a bag with those players nine out of ten times, they don't have that player their entire career. Mm. They don't have that player their entire career. I've, I've seen it. I've seen players hop around and go to different places. And I'll say this, to so the agents that are worried about their players coming to me, then you need to step your game up and do something different. Yeah. 
It should be a little worse, no you know? Yeah. No shade. No shade, but I'm just saying. I'm just putting it out there. <laughs> speak, your, speak your truth. Speak your truth. Hey, what's going on, guys? This is Elliot. I know you guys are really enjoying this real unique story. Um, but we got to pay bills around here. So, you know, make sure we provide you guys with more unique episodes. So, this sponsor is from the Non-League America, who has been exploring the diversity of the United States through the lens of soccer since 2012. Non-League America makes documentaries highlighting ambitious clubs that are pushing the boundaries of what is possible, both within the confines and just outside the system, built without their interests in mind. These clubs are building the foundation of American soccer community from the ground up. So, if you support us, go support them. Check out that latest documentary, Non-League America, Volume 15, More Than Ready, the story of Goldsboro Strike Eagles FC on Facebook or YouTube. And also make sure to follow them and Non-League USA on Twitter or on Facebook. So, with that being said, here's back to the episode. Um. I also want to ask you this question because you're very knowledgeable about NWSL. And I think this is how me and you connected is because like I was looking to get into NWSL. You were one of the people that reached out to me and like kind of gave me like, Hey, look out for this. This is something you should pay attention to with NWSL, you know, in the recent expansion of racing Louisville and um, angel city FC, correct. And Sacramento yeah. is coming as well. Oh, Sac- oh okay. All right. I didn't know that. All right. Then. So, so, and so three teams are coming in. Um, for you as an agent, how are female soccer player contracts handled in America? But then also, like, in that space of NWSL, how are you kind of circumventing your way around to be like, hey, look, you need to look out for this player or telling players, like, hey, look, this is a great team for you, things like that? Great question. Um, so the contracts work obviously very different from the MLS and, like, USL players, the contracts are a lot smaller from a monetary value, unless they're like number one pick or possibly like national team. So for those that don't know, the national team players don't get paid from NWSL. They get paid from the U.S. Soccer Federation or unless they are from a different federation, like a lot of the Canadian players. So players like Michelle Prince, um, you know, who is from Canada, she gets paid through Canada's um, federation. And they're more so considered as like allocated players mm-hmm. and their salaries come from there. So it doesn't go against the team's budget. Um, and then the ones that are not a part of national team, they do get paid from NWSL. The salaries are, I can't even say decent um, to be f- fully transparent. Um, I do feel like people that have gone to college four years and come out entry level most of the time, sometimes depending on even their career field, would make more than a player that's playing in NWSL. So that's a huge part of my fight is not just being an agent to get the player what they're worth, but to figure out how to work with NWSL to help them um, generate more revenue, whether it's from a sponsorship side, you know, more investment. Um, And I feel like the more investment that's made into the league and into women's soccer as a whole, you'll then see over the years that the salaries will increase. Um, And then as far as like women's soccer players on the college level, so this is a good example because I'm dealing with this now. So there are players that want to go through the draft. Most players, you have options to like try out for teams when they're holding trials. 
So there's certain players like Jennifer Cujo. That's kind of how NWSL became introduced to her. She went to a trial before the Challenge Cup earlier this year, got selected, ended up killing it in the Challenge Cup. Sky Blue offers her a multi-year contract. And now, of course, she'll be heading over to racing Louisville. In the standard, the ones that are coming out of college, I always advise these women to stay in school, get their degree. I usually don't talk to underclassmen. Um players because I'm very big on education and I feel like you'll have something to fall back on. The lifespan of a soccer player can range from maybe eight years if you're lucky professionally. So you're better off having that degree. And Mm -hmm. especially if you have that degree, that's where those off the field projects can tie into what you went to school for and what you really aspire to be. So you can kind of have two professions. Um, And then it's really just telling advising the women on, you know, that transition from college to pro could be very scary. In college, you could have been a number one star your whole four years, but now you're in the pros. It's a total different ballgame. And so no matter what, whether you think you're prepared physically, mentally, it could be, it could be overwhelming. So I try to do my best to help these women make that transition as well as talking with teams and clubs, you know, from the league to say, like, you know, like you said before, Hey, look out for this player or look out for that player. And when the deal is getting ready to happen, I want to make sure that there's a common ground on both sides where the players, well, the player is happy and the club is happy because what you don't want is just for the player to be happy and the club not to be happy. Cause then guess what? Your player is probably going to end up being a nice bench warmer. <laughs> Even though they may be happy and got that money, they sitting on the bench keeping it warm. So um, you don't want that. And when you can find that common ground yeah. where they both can meet um, and be happy, perfect situation. <laughs> perfect situation, is indeed. Um, on another podcast, I think you were on, Two Sisters FC. You've been around the whole black soccer, you know, culture run. Um <laughs> They I feel like I'm the last like one. That, but you know, <laughs> but no, no, I mean, look, like, look. Yeah, but you know, I mean. That just, that just means you're a hot commodity. That just means you're a hot commodity. I'm still, wanna... Honestly, honestly, this is something new for me. I'm, I'm a behind the scenes woman. I've always been. I've spent about almost 10 years in the music and sports industry. And I've been behind the scenes just doing a lot of marketing. So for once in the soccer space, honestly, I'm, um, just super grateful for podcasts like yours and, you know, Two Cents and, and, and Shameless, uh, you know, shirtless plantain show and all the other <laughs> podcasts that have um, welcomed me on. So I like you guys are like my my soccer family, and so I'm super grateful. Super grateful. Uh, we thank you for that. Um, but I want to ask you this question, and this is something that stuck out to me from one of those podcasts about how a lot of your players are trying to like they're sitting out. I think it was last year or this year to try possibly make that move to go to LA or Sacramento. How do you talk to your players about that? Like telling them like, you know, like, hey, you a senior, you know, are you a junior rusher? You know, how it might take a chance of sitting out this year. It might not be good. might not be great. How does how do you work with that? One thing about me, I'm a fully transparent person. I'm very vocal, very outspoken. I tell the players all the time from the very beginning, this whether you're a pro or college level, if you want an agent that's going to sweet talk you, that's not me. If you want an agent that's going to tell you what you want to hear all the time, that's not me. But if you can deal with um, someone that could be um, 
transparent with you and you're okay with it, then we can talk. So okay. it's, it's, it's mainly just um, advising them on making the right decisions. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, see. and it, and it's kind of just telling them straight too, like being realistic. Like, okay, if you think you're gonna go to this particular team, that's not gonna happen. Whoever tells you different is just telling you that to tell you that. <laughs> no, no, seriously, because it happens, and I've been told that where they were told from someone else that, oh yeah, I'm gonna go here, and it's like, who told you that? Hmm. Or or like if they said they're going to they're going to somewhere in Europe, and it's like, do you hold another passport? Because if you don't. You're gonna be sitting right in uh, California or wherever you're sitting. That's yeah. that's where you're gonna be. <laughs> so one question is: Is there a, a collective bargaining agreement for NWSL when it comes to like talking about contracts or anything like that, or is it kind of just the nope. Wild Wild West? That. Uh, yep. No. No uh, CBA. No CBA. Do you feel know. like uh, is NWSL going to get to the point where we are eventually going to have a collective bargaining agreement? Where I think so. Why, so let me ask this. Why is there a delay in NWSL coming with the CBA? See, that's a good question. That's a question that's going to have to be for them, honestly. I wish I could answer that. <laughs> okay. I have no answers for that. All right. Yeah, that that's one I don't know. But but because that same question is like, that was like one of the first questions I asked too. Like, I'm like, wait, so where's the CBA? And why don't you have one? And then I was told like, oh, it's something eventually it's in the works. But I don't know. Mm, okay. All right then. Well, another question I want to ask you when you mm-hmm. t- brought up earlier about you being um, a FIFA agent. You're one of the first, uh, correct me, first or the only female uh, FIFA agent? No. First so one of. One of. One of. And, and okay. Global, when we talk globally, one of. But mm-hmm. when we talk about America, first black. Okay. First black. Okay. So how is that process? of becoming a FIFA agent and how difficult is it? Because I imagine it has to be like getting your PhD from Harvard difficult level. No comment. I don't want to lose my license. No. Um, oh my God. <laughs> no. Um, you know, for me, I became, I, I was lucky because remember, FIFA was one of my clients. So I yeah. knew people in there. So a lot of my questions I could get answered directly. Um, so the process wasn't too bad for me. There's um, an examination that you had to take. So prior to 2015, you had to take an exam. And then whatever your results were, if you passed, then your FIFA license. And then you would just have to let the federation know within your country. Then they kind of like soften the rules a little bit. But now they're going to start implementing new rules again. So new regulations where everything falls back to FIFA as a whole. And then depending on which country you're in, you can be licensed in several countries. Um, Some agents I know they're licensed in America. They're also licensed in England, or they could be licensed in the Netherlands. You could be licensed in Italy, Spain. I think for me, the only other country that I know for sure is next up for me to be licensed in is going to be England, mainly because throughout the company we have um other clients that are based in england so it's gonna make it's gonna make all the more sense to do that yeah it is also that transition i believe it i believe it but we're also seeing that link between nwsl and um the women's super league about how they're moving over to england you know with a lot of u.s Mm -hmm. women's national team players and whatnot um but you did mention you have your own agency um yeah 
Trinity Three Agency. Explain to us what is all that, what's going on with that. You also have your own podcast too. So explain, talk, tell us about all of that. Oh man. So from the podcast side, we wrapped up the first season. Um, not sure if we're going to do a second season just yet, just because of our schedules, but I co-host mm. that with another agent out of Canada. And um, it was really because you couldn't find like a, a lot of things that I, that I can find in basketball and, you know, football, like as far as NFL or even baseball, I don't find a lot of that in soccer. So I felt like, man, there needs to be some type of podcast that it's giving you agent perspectives mm. on things. And I wanted to create that. Um, and so it was cool. And I think now, I mean, maybe in the future, I've been asked several times to do different podcasts. Um, I'm thinking of maybe starting one with some women, um, mm. within the soccer space. So you may see that you may just see myself hosting it and, or I may just be like, you know, you want to partner with me on this real quick, you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, d- definitely that is cool. And then, of course, with the uh, agency, it consists of marketing, so sponsorship and partnership marketing. That's a main specialty on the marketing side. Of course, there's the charity and foundation creation area. And then there's the experiential event side, production and curation. And then there's the management. So we manage some artists as well as managing talent. So athletes, um, we work with different athletes within the NFL, NBA, baseball, well, MLB, and then, of course, soccer being the main um, on the field. So soccer is the only one that we handle on the field contracts for, but every right. other sport, it's off the field for that. And, um, and yeah, and it was something that had to be created because, one, my services were always in demand. Two, after going through different corporate jobs um, and wanting to work on the agency side, every agency I went to, I would interview for, and I was, whether it was to be a junior agent um, or to just be a sponsorship rep and I wouldn't get the position. I'd get to the final round and they'd be like, oh yeah, we picked somebody that's more qualified. All that basically meant was it wasn't qualified. They just picked somebody that didn't look like me, didn't yeah. look like <laughs> us. So, and that was cool because I felt like after a while I was begging for a seat at someone else's table. And God said, listen, go create your own table and make sure with this table, you open up those seats to people that want to work with you. And that's exactly what I'm doing and it's the best decision that I've ever made and I love it and I wouldn't trade it in for the world so wow I don't think there's no better point to end on that Maggie um once again <laughs> I just want to say thank you for coming on the podcast I mean we wish you the best of success you know maybe you'll be I mean the way how you're going you're going to be the female George Mendez and you're going to be the next great Listen, super that's agent. like one of the mentors right there you know Mendez, <laughs> he's, he's he's like the goat you know um and I just say thank you so much for um, for what you're create what you've created and what you're doing. You're giving back, and that's important. And then oh, you're yeah. you're tapping into the community, right? So that's a good thing too. Oh yeah, look, my dean will have it no other way, and then like me being a history major, <laughs> like the re- oh, main yeah. reason so why we cre- oh yeah, the main reason why we created can I kick it is because. One, there's barely any knowledge on black soccer players outside of like the big names. Like when it comes to Demarcus Beasley, Tim Howard, of course you know them, but people don't know about like the because Demarcus Beasley had his car blew up, or about how you know Eddie Johnson got stopped in DC subway, he got confused with someone else, like things like that. So it's like you know we want to talk about those stories, we want to build those stories up, and you know this is a podcast that's going to live into the eons of history. So. 
Maggie, where can everyone connect with you at? Um, definitely on Twitter. I'm on there a lot, a lot of times, probably ranting about something um, within soccer. You know that every time you follow me. Oh, yeah, see, I mean, oh, yeah. we know. Off. Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes I go off and sometimes I'm just, <laughs> I'm just you know, expressing what's happening, what's motivating me. Um, so that's going to be Agent Maggie and Tim on Twitter. And then Instagram, it's Maggie.intim, so dot N-T-I-M. And the company you can find Trinity Three Agency on Twitter and um, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Cool, cool, cool. All right, Maggie, we thank you for joining the podcast. You enjoy no your day. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you.